We are in episode number 49 of the series in John. It's going to be uh, chapter 15 and 16, a little bit of both. It's, uh, wow, 49 episodes with a big break in between. This is online church week 12. Let's jump in to John. We're going to start in chapter 15, and we're going to pick up at verse 19. In the world, but not of it, let me pray. Father, I just pray that as we open up your word and this word is timely for today that we live in this world but we're not of it and there's a there's a little bit of a conflict there and a little bit of a rub that we would embrace that that we would be followers of jesus that we would say though none go with me still i will follow all the way in jesus name amen all right so here you are john 15 19 in but not of uh that's kind of a key thing there that we're in the world but not of the world and he's going to highlight that in both chapter 15 and chapter 16 and i'm going to take you through it so we'll start with verse 19 um and i think i have my uh oh you know what i think i have the ability to show you some stuff if i pick to annotate and i don't want to take too long on this but here we go all right and i highlighted the verses that i think are really important so that the words if you were of the world the world would love you as its own but because you are not of the world but i chose you out of the world therefore the world hates you hmm. so let's talk about the world hating us notice that though we live in the world i mean i've been called a lot of things but i've never been called an alien so we live in the world. We are here, but we are not of this world. What does that specifically mean? Remember, Jesus is teaching this to his disciples in the last few days of his life. He's talking about very important things before he leaves and goes back to heaven. And he says, look, if you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world. So we're here. We're in the world. He left. He left us here to occupy until he comes again. But he says, even though we're in the world, we are not of this world. So we are not part of the world system. We're not embraced by the world. We don't believe in the Babylonian, I'll call it, anti-Christian, anti-God world system. That system that opposes God that has throughout all history. So we're in the world, but not of it. And because of it, the world is going to hate us. Uh, also worth noting that Christ has chosen us out of this world. See, he says, I chose you out of this world that's kind of the idea behind the word right holy is set apart chosen distinct we've been made holy because christ has chosen us he's elected us and adopted us and chosen us and brought us into his family it's a good thing but also that's why we're called ambassadors to this world because now that we live in this world we're not of this world we've been adopted set apart made holy out of this world and there's a contrast to that we're distinct in fact there's an interesting passage and uh I, I, of course i should have had this ready in my handy little bible app but this gives you time turn to revelation chapter 18 will you revelation 18 because there's a good parallel here of being in the world but not of it and the babylonian world system and this is kind of interesting in today's world okay so the Christians are called to stand apart, to be holy, to come out of Babylon because the world system is falling apart. And there's a lot of falling apart in our world, whether it's the this virus that no one really knows how it originated and 
conquered the whole planet or whether it's the social unrest and the rioting and all the fighting that's going on or all the different weather things that are going on or the plagues or the famine and then there's unemployment. There's just all kinds of residual effects of what's going on in our world right now. It seems like there's tremors and it's shaking. And here's what it says in Revelation 18.1, talking about Babylon. After this, I saw another angel coming down from heaven, having great authority, and the earth was made bright with his glory. And he called out with a mighty voice, fallen, fallen is Babylon the great. What is Babylon the great? Well, you interpret it, but it's the world system. If you read 17 and 18, it's the world system that opposes God. She has become a dwelling place for demons, a haunt of very unclean spirit, a haunt for every unclean bird, a haunt for every unclean and detestable beast. For all nations have drunk the wine of the passion of her sexual immorality, and the kings of the earth have committed immorality with her, and the merchants of the earth have grown rich from the power of her luxurious living. Then I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people. Notice, in the world, but not of the world. Come out of her, my people, lest you take part in her sins, lest you share in her plagues. Ooh, see that? Hmm. For her sins are heaped high as heaven, and God has remembered her iniquities. Pay her back as she herself had paid back others, and repay her double for her deeds. Mix a double portion for her in the cup she mixed. As she glorified herself and lived in luxury, so give her like measure of torment and mourning. Since in her heart she says, I sit as queen, I am no widow, and mourning shall I never see. For this reason, her plagues will come in a single day. Death and mourning and famine, and she'll be burned up with fire, for mighty is the Lord God who has judged her. Now, I'm not going to get into a big teaching on Revelation and the end of the world and the Babylonian system. The point is, we're called to be in the world, but not of it. God has called us out to be holy, to be distinct. And because of that, the world, what does it mean by the world? It, again, it's those who are adopted to the world anti-god system the humanistic humans are everything we are it we are our own gods the humanistic system is going to hate you that's something that you need to know today because i am under the authority of scripture to go through the book of john and to teach what jesus taught his disciples i'm opening up to you that's part of the reason it's good to go verse by verse because you can't just skip what you want and here it is jesus is teaching about the fact that we're in the world but we're not of the world and the world hate us well that's good news let's pray and we'll be done for today what a blessing thanks pastor steve i joined in on this sunday morning and i thought wow what kind of exciting live message am i gonna hear oh i'm gonna hear that the world is gonna hate me well let's read on verse 18 backing up a verse and then jumping to 16 2 if the world hates you Know that it has hated me before it hated you. We're going to be hated by men, but we are Christians. We are Christ-like. We are in the image of Christ. And so they hated him, and now they're going to hate us. Verse 2 says the same thing in chapter 16. They will put you out of the synagogues. Indeed, the hour is coming when whoever kills you will think he is offering service to God. That is scary teaching there. Right now, hate is a big deal. Everybody is complaining and rioting or opinionating about anything and everybody else. And I want to say this to you, oh Christian. If you take a vocal stand for Christ, you will be hated by many. When you stand up for Jesus Christ and the absolute truth of the scripture and you don't buy into the relativistic society and you don't follow along with all whatever's going on in Babylon, <laughs> Jesus said they hated him. 
and without cause, right? Because he was the righteous son of God. He only did good and taught and loved and confronted injustice. And he was hated by many, and we will be hated by many. And, and the way to say it would be, as for Jesus, so for us. It happened to him, and now it's going to happen to us. It's very scary to think that in chapter 16, verse 2, and of course this has happened already throughout history many times. May the Lord grant us the peace that never happens in our lifetime again. Killing Christians will seem like the godly thing to do. How does that happen? Well, if you remember back, this think about it. This is just a couple days before the religious leaders, right? It wasn't like there was opposition at the time. Christianity was just being birthed. So God was working through the nation of Israel. But the religious leaders of his own chosen nation were going to whip the people into a frenzy and demand that the Romans execute him. The leaders, the religious leaders did that. And so it says there's coming a time when... Whoever kills you will think he is doing service to God. It's a world upside down with zero tolerance for truth. And we know that if you stand up and you're vocal about something and it doesn't follow the crowd. It's interesting that there's this idea of relativism and everybody's truth is okay and everybody's okay and everybody's right until you start speaking scripture and start speaking about Jesus and the truth of the Bible and then you're intolerant. And they can no longer tolerate you. It's kind of hypocritical. But it makes sense because the wisdom of man is flawed. And so the humanistic flawed ideas, man coming up with their own mob rule of what the majority decides is right. No, what God says is right. It's the truth in scripture. So we live in a world upside down. And Jesus is telling us there will be a time on earth when people will kill you thinking they're doing service to God. Let's read on. In verse 21, uh, but all these things they will do to you on account of my name. It's important to realize that this has to do with the name of Jesus. It's not, I mean, if you're out there and you're being dumb and you're giving people reason to hate you, okay, but this is done because of the name of Jesus. If we're standing up for Jesus, if I'm going to be persecuted, Let's not have Steve persecuted because Steve takes a stand for this or that or is on his soapbox about this or acts in this dumb way or offends these people. Let it be for the name of Jesus Christ. And that's what it says here. But on, and all these things they will do on account of my name because they do not know him who sent me. Hmm. And that's going to give us another thought. Verse 3 in chapter 16. And they will do these things because they have not known the Father nor me. Right? See? So they, they hate the name of Jesus, but it says... If you don't like Jesus, then you don't know who sent him. And here it says, they have not known the Father or me. So two thoughts. Number one, don't be a target because of your ideas or your thoughts or your attitude. Let it be the name of Jesus that they hate. And then it's okay. If you have to suffer for the name of Christ, that's a glorious thing. The Babylonian religion is the opposite of true Christianity. That's where you get the idea of the spirit of the Antichrist, the world religious system. And when we proclaim Jesus as the only savior, that's when we come into conflict with the Babylonian religious system. But Jesus says very clear that if they don't know Jesus or if they don't recognize Jesus as savior, then they don't really know God. 
They can say we're all calling on the same God. And so, and you got to think about it. It, it kind of makes sense it, in the humanistic idea. If there is no true ultimate authority, if there is no sovereign God, then religion to them is just the idea, something to placate us, something to keep us in line. And so all religions are just a philosophy of different names and styles to try to conform humans to some type of moral behavior. So they don't really care which God you call on because they say all gods are the same God. What they're really saying is all gods are no God. And uh, Pat, when he joined me uh, Thursday on my read a Psalm a day devotional, he was talking about that, how they say you're all, when you call out to God, you're all calling on the same God. Well, that's like saying when you say dad, you're all talking the same dad, but Pat's dad is completely different than my dad. He might use the same name, but it's not the same guy. And Jesus is making it very clear here that if you don't know me, you don't know the father. If you don't believe in my name, then you don't believe in the father's name, that the only true name is Jesus, the way to God. And that's, of course, what caused the conflict in his day, him out there claiming to be the divine son of God, savior of the world. And the Jews could not handle that. So they persecuted him and eventually killed him. Well, I'm saying in our day, it's going to be the same way, friends. Some form of humanistic religion is going to be tolerated as long as it's watered down and doesn't affect society's decline into the immoral abyss. When you stand up and you proclaim Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, and you, you declare the word of God to be true, and you hold up the biblical standards of righteousness, you are set apart and holy and called out from that system. Just like they hated Jesus, they're going to hate you. And it's happening in our day. Jesus says in verse 23 and verse 25, whoever hates me hates my father also. But the word that is written in their law must be fulfilled. They hated me without cause. Okay, so one, they hated him without cause. We're going to go to the fact that Jesus only did good, yet they still hated him. But notice, whoever hates me hates my father. You can't be religious and deny Jesus Christ as the one true savior and say, I still believe in God. If you hate me, he said, you hate my father. That's, that's a very clear teaching here. So the only way to connect with the one true God is through his only son, Jesus Christ. It says in scripture, there's no other name, no other way to God. He's the way, the truth, and life. So if you deny Jesus, you're denying God. There's no other way around it. Any philosophy that denies the saving grace found in Jesus, any philosophy that denies the supremacy of Christ is denying God in the end. And then notice, it says, they hated me without a cause. Hmm. Again, that's a good reminder for us uh, not to give them cause to hate us. There are people, I don't know what you call them, preachers, who can be offensive in and of themselves. And you tend to polarize and hate them because of their attitude or their words or their conflict of nature. We are told in First Peter 2.12 that though they accuse us of doing wrong, they will see our good deeds and glorify God. Now listen to how that reads. That though the anti-God world system will hate the stand we take for the name of Christ and for holiness and for the word of God and for absolute truth, that though they accuse us of being evil, of being wrong, of being hate speech, they will see our good deeds. They'll see that not only do we speak truth, but we live it out. And it says they'll, be, they'll have to glorify God. They will have to give glory to God 
for the lives we live. And so that's our response because it's all about Jesus. It's not about me. So as I proclaim Jesus, I realize they hated Jesus. They're going to hate my words, most of them, but some will hear and respond. And so I don't want to give them cause, just like Jesus didn't. I want to do good, speak truth, and then let them stand before God in judgment on that. And some will end up glorifying God because they will see our good deeds. And so we call Jesus Savior and Lord. That means he's the master and we're the servants. And so like master, like service. Look what it says in verse 20. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. Like Jesus, like us. How can we expect anything less or anything different than what our master Jesus experienced? Uh, I mean, I'm a preacher, so we try to convince people to come to Christ and to be saved and to lay their burdens down and his yoke is easy and his burden is light and forgive their sin and give them eternal life. That's all true. It's a free gift. God's grace. But then living here, being in the world, but not of the world, being an ambassador of Christ to a hostile world. How can we expect anything different than what Jesus experienced? Jesus said that in this world, we would have tribulation. In fact, that's the end. Of, we're doing chapter 15 and 16. And the last verse in chapter 16 is when Jesus said, in this world, you will have tribulation. Think about it. He's talking to his disciples. He's about to go to the Garden of Gethsemane. He's about to sweat drops of blood. He's about to be arrested. He's about to have the sin of the world placed upon him. He's about to be betrayed and denied. He's about to be crucified and killed. And he says to his disciples, in this world, you will have tribulation. Look, I, I, I mean, look where I'm preaching from. I'm preaching from in front of a giant Bible, right? And you're at home watching it on your screen. We've had tribulation. There's some of you that have had serious health issues during this time. I, I know of a local pastor in the Connell community, him and his wife, he and his wife got the coronavirus and he told me he was on death's door for weeks, thought he was gonna die, was in and out of the hospital. And other people that are going mentally crazy from all the isolation. There's all kinds of issues and I mean, the government's trying to help, but there's lack of employment or underemployment, people losing jobs. My own son got laid off from where he worked. And then there's those of you that own businesses. What a struggle to own a business during time. I mean, I know people have to eat, but if you're in agriculture and the restaurants have been shut down and businesses slowed down and you're growing crops and you thought you had contracts, and I mean, we will have tribulation and we are going through tribulation. I can only imagine the people who had rocks thrown through their windows during the rioting in some of these places. And they're like, what did I do? Jesus said, in this world, you will have tribulation. He said that right as he's about to go to the cross himself. He said, but take heart, for I have overcome the world. Remember, if they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will also keep yours. Interesting that he says both the sweet and the sour there. As he talks about the tribulation and the fact that we're no greater than the master, he says, well, you know what? If they persecuted me, they're going to persecute you. But if they kept my word, because there's some, there's always some. Remember Elijah crying out that there's, there's no remnant. God said, yes, there's always a remnant in the land. Jesus saying same thing. There are going to be those that see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. There's going to be some that will hear a word. That's why we're here. Somebody's asked that question. 
Which way should I look? Pastor? Yes. Why is it then when I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and I'm filled with the Holy Spirit and I'm born again and my sins are removed, that I'm not just instantly translated to heaven like Enoch? Why do I stay here? I mean, I'm saved. That's the whole goal. Well, I guess it's not the whole goal. The whole goal is for us to glorify God by living lives of faith. This sacrifice of praise that we have in this place right now. And in the process, we are his ambassadors because God wishes that none for perish, but all that come to repentance. And so God leaves us here to reach the lost. Part of it's us giving glory to him. Part of it's living by faith. Part of it is us showing what he has established in Eden can be lived out as we're, as we're born again. And some of it's hard because it says right here that you're going to be persecuted. But also we are ambassadors. And so we go through the suffering and the image of Christ is displayed in us because there's some that are going to hear and keep the word. Some that will see our good deeds and they will glorify God on the day he visits us. If you want to find context to the current troubles you're going through, whether it's business, health, relational, I mean, if you've got a spouse, if you've got family, if you've got kids, right, coworkers, what, if you want to put context to the tribulation that you're going through, it's what we talked about last week, the pruning process, that God is pruning you for more effective and productive fruitfulness so that you can be like the silver that reflects the image of the silversmith. He's turning lumps of coal. Yeah, remember? I said we're made out of dirt, so we're like dirt bags. Well, actually, so we're like coal. And we're, he's turning us, common coal, into diamonds that reflect his glory for all eternity. And it takes... You know what it takes for coal to go to diamonds, lots of heat, lots of pressure, and lots of time. So you're in the furnace squeezed for a long time. Lots of heat, lots of pressure, lots of time. We do it to reflect the glory of God and to snatch others from the flame, to be an ambassador of Christ, to reach people for the kingdom of God. That's the context. It's not just, oh, this random virus, this random rioting, these random health issues are, are affecting my life and my peace and my safety and my business and my home. Access that God appointed for the times that we should live on the earth. So God has sovereignly, and it says he knows every day that you would live ahead of time. They're all appointed. They're all written in the book of God. So God has appointed the times and place that we should live. So God knew you would live now through this time. God knew that and we're going to celebrate because it's the week we do it. God knew that this would be the year that Caitlin Bauman would graduate and that they would have to do a virtual graduations where they drive by and they jump out and they light up the field and all this different stuff that's going on. God, this did not catch God by surprise. You were, as God said to Esther, you were born for such a time as this. Your business, your family, your health, your, your age is appropriate for now. Rise up and be what God has called you to be to give him glory and to reach those few who will keep our word, that will hear and glorify God. Whew. That's good. All right, and I close with this. The end of, of the beginning of John 16, we'll finish it up in the weeks ahead. I have said these things to you. Remember, Jesus talking to his disciples right before it's all over. 
I have said these things to you to keep you from falling away. Pastor Steve, why are you giving us this tough sermon? It's tough enough to live through it. Why are you telling us that we are in the world, but not of the world, and the world's going to hate us, and we're going to have tribulation? Because I want you to be prepared. When God says to me, well done, good and faithful servant, is primarily going to be how I lived my life, how I affected my spouse and my children. I totally believe that, that the well done, good and faithful servant is primarily going to be judged on my relationship with God and how I impacted those closest to me, my wife, my children, my grandchildren. But if it was to go beyond that, it would go to my church for sure. The people in my church, the flock he's given me, the, the youth especially too, and the youth interns that are under me, and then my close friends, and then my neighbors, and then my coworkers. But you, Connell First Baptist Church, you are part of what I have a call to be good and faithful. And so I've said these things to you because Jesus said them to his disciples. Why? To keep them from falling away, which means there will be tough times. You got to ask, why has Jesus told us all this? To be prepared for the tough times to come so they don't catch a surprise and cause us to fall away. Meaning there are some who attend church and don't have a deep root. Remember the parable of the seed and the sower? It says there's some that the seed kind of springs up. Evidence of transformed life, yet there's no deep root. And it says when the cares of the world and the trials, when the heat and the sun comes, it withers and it dies. We don't want to be those seeds planted on shallow soil. I don't want to be pastor of a church where there are people who sat in the pews and had a relationship with God, kind of, but it wasn't deep. It didn't root. It didn't grow. It didn't survive the storms of life. And they end up falling away. Verse four, but I've said these things to you. So when their hour comes, who's there? Why is it their hour? Well, that's the Babylonian world system. In Jesus' case, it's about to be Satan's hour. Remember, he even says that in the garden. Okay, this is done. It's Satan's hour. His time has come, right? But really, he got the ultimate victory in that, if you remember. So Satan didn't get the best of Jesus. He thought he did. And same thing here. Okay, it, it might be there are in God's sovereign plan. It might be the time of the spirit of Antichrist to rise up and the Babylonian, because it does say in Revelation that Babylonian rises up and opposes God and does all these things and we're supposed to come out of her. What is God saying? Don't fall away. Don't be the seed planted in the shallow soil. The Babylonians will have their hour just as in Jesus' time Satan had his hour but is short, it's appointed by God, and in his sovereignty, he's using it for his greater purposes. So he says, I told them to you, I did not say these things to you from the beginning because I was with you. In other words, I was here, and we were doing my ministry, and this was all good, but now I'm about to go back to the Father, so I'm telling you, be prepared. Tough times will come. Sometimes they will seem to be in control, and we've got to entrust our souls to God. So it's coming, or it's already here. My encouragement to you is don't wash out. Let God do the pruning process so that you're a healthy branch producing the fruit of righteousness. In other words, my encouragement to you is persevere. Stay connected to the vine on a daily basis because even though he left in body, he is still with us. He is in us. He is ever-present in our time of need. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for John chapter 15. 
and 16 for the reminder that we are in the world, but not of the world. Help us to be prepared so that we don't fall away. Help us to embrace what's going on and to realize if it happened to Jesus, it's going to happen to us. Help us to cling to you and receive life from you today. Help us to encourage each other. Help us to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name.